is Annie Irish, the host of Con Talk. It's been a little while, Con Talkers, but I'm back. And this week, I'm interviewing my friend Ashley Bechtel, who has recently been accepted into the University of San Francisco's law program. And I've been trying to get her on here for months. And we shared some wine. Cheers, Ashley. Salud. Welcome to Con Talk. Thank you. We've been trying to do this for a while. I, yes, we have. She finally bullied me into I bull- I podcasting. Politely, yeah. See, well, the times. thing is, is that I just, I am just a ball of anxiety, so that's my problem. It's easy. So Ashley's originally from Idaho. We met at a bar. Um, we became we our, our whatever whatever our eyes met over brunch at a local bar in Brooklyn, and then we became friends. And we're sad to see her go, but San Francisco will soon have her. So yes, I'm literally leaving in two days. I know it's perfect. It's a perfect time to podcast. It is so, perfect timing. Guess my first question is: When did you decide you wanted to become a lawyer? Uh, well, so my background is is that my my mother is a lawyer. My mother is a lawyer, and um, she's always been like a very positive female role model. Uh, and I actually paralegaled for her uh, at one point when I was in college. Uh, she does family law, decided I didn't like it, but, you know, wanted to kind of try out different areas of law. Um, but because of her and uh, just because we, we have kind of the same way of thinking, kind of like we're very logical, very, uh, I don't know, very straightforward kind of people, uh, I decided it was something that I wanted to get into. So you said that you paralegaled for her in college. So what does being a paralegal entail? And I should add, you've been working professionally as a paralegal in New York for the last four and a half years. Yeah, for roughly five years, yeah. For different um, law firms. And yeah, for different law firms, And right. in corporate real estate. Yeah, corporate real estate is kind of what I started out in New York. Uh, but most recently I do, I've done finance uh, and real estate as well. So for people out there who don't know... I. I watch Law & Order, lots of people do, you know, defense, lawyers, litigators, mm-hmm. can you just maybe walk the listeners through sort of what what your day-to-day looks like and sort of what real estate law and corp- Yeah, so like a lot like? of what like real estate uh, law is, so I do commercial real estate, I don't, I don't touch anything residential, so a lot of it is like we'll do financings for like condos and co-ops or... Um, will be the real estate specialist on a mergers and acquisition deal. And what that is, is like when one company buys another company, we'll do the real estate aspect of that deal. Um, so we'll handle, you know, reviewing like the, the title on the properties, making sure that everything is clear for um, the sale and the transaction. Um, it's strictly just like transactional work. And I draft a lot of documents um, and, you know, do a lot of review. I do everything that an attorney would do, except for I'm not legally allowed to like negotiate contracts with other attorneys because I'm not licensed for it. So if someone was looking to get into the paralegal field, what would one have to do? Um, you know, I don't know that there is something you have to do. I think that it is, I, well, first of all, if, you, if you're thinking of going to law school, I highly recommend paralegaling first, especially if you're like a new graduate or something like that. Law school is not only a uh, huge financial decision, but it's also 
from what I've heard, very stressful, and it's it's not a, it's not a cakewalk. Um, but I think that, like, for me, so I took five years off of uh, undergrad before I decided to go back to school. It was kind of a good way for me to kind of, you know, understand what I'm going to be doing um, when I practice. And also I think that some people that go to law school right out of undergrad don't understand, like, exactly what it is they're doing. And, like, I've seen a lot of, like, young associates. Like, I mean, these associates are younger than I am. They, you know, just graduated, started a big law firm, and hate their lives. You know, you don't want to do that when you're in a ton of debt. So yeah, debt sucks. It's awful. I have a lot of debt from graduate school. It's very different, but it's a similar decision. Yeah, and it's just, it just, you know, you run into the problem when it's like you don't necessarily think about it, but when it's time to pay back those debts, it's like ooh. It's true, but the thing about going to law school is that the return is as big as the. It can, what, it what can be. It the, can be. You it's, know the phrase I'm looking for: the you go big or go home. But like, it, you're, you're investing, but it's like. The idea is that you'll make well, it back tenfold in some. Yeah, but the interesting aspect. the interesting part of that is it really is dependent on what kind of law you get into. So, for instance, like I do corporate like transactional law. A lot of those attorneys make six figures right out of law school, which is insane. Like, let's be honest here. That's that's crazy. That's crazy money. You're working a lot, so you're working for that money. But, um, like, if you want to get into litigation, say you want to work for the public defender's office, you're going to be out of school making $50,000 a year, which, I mean, it's, that's, that's nothing, especially if you're in six-figure debt. So it's something to consider. And there's, you know, the sad thing about law school is, is that there are more, uh, more law students than there are jobs for, for lawyers. So I think that's just the economic times we live in. You know, if you compare it alongside people that are getting master's degrees and want to go into a PhD and then want to, want to teach, it's a similar idea. There's more debt that you're accruing and less jobs than you'll have at the end of it. Yeah. And you know, really what it is, is like, you have to know what you want, A, but I think that you, you should go in with that mindset with anything you do. And, uh, be a networking. Like I just, I have a really good network of legal professionals that I've worked with for the last five years that have really, really helped me out through my career and have also offered to help me out, you know, as I'm in school. And it's kind of like, you know, you have to keep in touch with them and, you know, build relationships. Um, and that just makes, you know, the job hunt easier. So what would you, what advice would you give to, well, I guess this is a two part question. If you're interested in being a lawyer, what would you major in? I don't know. I, I still don't know how young the people are that listen to this podcast. But <laughs> if, if you're interested in becoming a lawyer, would you be, you know, a history major or... You can literally uh, get a degree in anything for undergrad and go to law school. All you have to do is take the LSAT. Um, to, be, to be completely honest with you, they don't care what you got your degree in an undergrad. So for instance, like for me, um, oh, I ended up getting my degree in psychology and sociology. From However, the university uh, of, I went to the University of Idaho. Idaho. Yes. Uh, Idaho native here. I forgot to mention that at the top of the Go Vandals. Uh, yes. So, so you could literally get your degree in anything. However, they've done studies where, um, uh, who, well, let's clarify, who are they? The people that have done the studies. 
I don't know. I think this comes from like the LSAC. So the okay. LSAC is like the law school admission council. So they are who um, you submit your LSAT scores to. They, they they run the tests and stuff like that. So those but are I the think, people that are doing the studies that you're right. Citing. So they they also get a list of like what your undergraduate uh, degree was, and also like you know they have your LSAT scores. So I think that the the students that do the best are like the philosophy majors, that and because sense. it's like yeah, it's very kind of like. The LSAT is very, it's logical, but it's also very, uh, it can be very abstract and like the answers are not clear and there's not really a good way to study for it unless you like, you just have to like keep practicing at practice tests and you kind of have to get a feel for what, what exactly the exam is, is testing you for because it's not immediately clear. So did you private tutors or did you get the book or how did you No, so I took preparing? I took I took an LSAT course so it was like I think it was like a three month course oh so you did do that yeah but it wasn't with a private tutor this was like in a class so there okay, was like there was like the same idea that you're paying for the course and you're yeah to get yeah an idea of what you're and not and not everyone has to do that the reason why I did it I happen to be working and I am not <laughs> I'm not disciplined enough to sit down with a book myself um, but it was very, very helpful. I mean, I increased my score by, by 20 points, which is, I mean, if you, I don't know how many of you cunt talkers know anything about the LSAT, but that's I mean, a, I, that's I, a big jump. That's no, a big jump. So I know nothing. I've taken the, the GREs, the graduate uh-huh. review exam for graduate school, which is similar. It's like a four hour test and it's just basic, well, not basic writing, sort of like an elevated SAT. Right. And it's four hours, and then there's also math, and I'm terrible at math, and my math score was awful, and I just, I did the book to prepare. It's okay, we'll, 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 we'll do some math. I don't, well, I don't need it anymore. But it, it, it was a similar thing. Some people do take a course to prep for it, you know, and uh-huh. I'm also just an awful test taker, so I'm sure some people out there are similar to, and I get terrible test anxiety. Yeah. But I also think, well, this is just a bigger point, that taking a, a test similar to the LSAT and also the GREs is not an indication of how you will do once you are in the program. It's very different being in graduate school versus, you know, pursuing a law degree, but I think that just if you're an ang- if test taking is anxiety ridden. No, I I completely you know, I completely agree with you, but uh, there is a strong correlation that the better you do on the LSAT, the better that you you'll do in law school oh, I guess. but some of that might also be due to like study habits and you know other things there might be some outliers like like you that are you know bad test takers that may not necessarily fall into place with that correlation but there's yeah, a it's not two days that's when you're doing the bar right the bar yeah that's, the, a, that's okay. the bar exam and actually in california it's three days well, what the fuck yeah like well, so the, so the crazy thing is, is that they just changed uh, the rules for the California bar actually this year. So the, the California bar, it's actually going on right now. It was, uh, oh, it's, it's Thursday, right? It's Thursday today? Today is Thursday. So, oh, well, I guess it's over. But it's it was, Thursday, it was, July 28th. And let, let me just say that this is the seventh episode of Cunt Talk, I believe. And this week I'm interviewing Ashley Bechtel. My friend, former paralegal, and about to start law school <laughs> at the University of San Francisco. Thank you for the second introduction. Well, just, just rehashing. <laughs> just rehashing. Um, yeah, so it's uh, the California bar is three days long. They actually just changed it. So the, the next class, 
that will be taking it. So I guess it would be in, like, February or whatever. No, because I'll be taking it in three years. But if this affects you directly. Yeah, so when I take it, it will only be two days. Right, that's what I... Yes. Yeah. So everywhere else, is it... Three days or two? I think everywhere else it's two days. And then, at least in the majority, don't don't quote me on this. I uh, I hope Annie doesn't get any like angry uh, talk tweets. I, or something. I I just wish I had more followers, oh. but maybe eventually you'll get some more um, people that are. I don't want angry tweets, but I you know I'm trying to <laughs> always increase the listening listenership of this podcast. But I guess broadly speaking, it's two days across the board. For most of the 50 states. I believe so, yeah. And then, do you have any idea of how it's done in Europe? Do you have, do you have had friends? I've actually met people along the way, because I'm a graduate of NYU. I, I, I pe- People that I have gotten not, law degrees there, and it's right. a different process. Well, right, so you have to get your LLM, which is, um, it's a master's, as opposed to... Um, JD. As opposed to JD, which is a doctorate degree. So... How does that work, and what's the difference? Do you know? I, I don't know. I think it, it's largely dependent upon the country. Oh, so yeah, I think, but I mean here in the U.S., do you just automatically, like... No, so it's a separate degree. Okay. So you can get your you can get your LLM here. So, for instance, like a good time to get your LLM would be if you wanted to do tax law. So they have a bunch of different LLM programs, but the one that's actually been proven where it's like, yeah, you should probably get a master's on, to- on top of your doctorate degree is the LLM for tax law um, because it's it's incredibly helpful. Um, so you can get it, but it's not necessary. You so, can practice as a lawyer without the master's degree. That makes sense. I'm just wondering if getting an LLM adds additional time to the law school timeline, of which is typically three years. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I know at least for the, the tax law LLM, it's an additional year. Oh my gosh, you could have a doctorate by the end, which is what I eventually hope to pursue because I'm a doctor, so I don't yes. know. It may eventually be Dr. Annie Irish, but... Dr. Annie. But I guess at the end of your... Well, at the end, you're a JD, but can people call you a doctor? Um, like yeah, the Obamas I feel both like... have JDs. You know, Barack just published a, a paper in July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh... I read about that. And tonight is Hillary's big speech. We haven't listened to it yet, so we can't comment on it. But yeah. she is also the recipient of a law degree. Yes. Yale yes. Law, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure where she went. But yes, I know um, a lot of politicians. Yale, Harvard, Stanford, all the Ivy Leagues. Yeah, some, yeah they've, they've all gotten into really good schools. Blue, blue Bloods. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just a thing. What does that even mean? Well, it's just like the upper crust of society. It's like going to private boarding schools like Choate and Miss Porter and Phillips Academy. It's like oh, a certain right. breed of general. Like all the bushes go there. Something yeah, in like Milton, yes. Massachusetts. Full disclosure: or My sister currently works at Phillips Academy, but yeah, it's just generations of you know of the upper crust: politicians, socialites, people in power whose family have gone there, and it's sort of establishing this lineage and bloodline of people that have gone there and, you know, Neil Harvard, all the, all the Ivies. And from, from what I remember during the 2008-2000 campaigns with Bush, she, like, famously did horrible in really undergrad. Yes. Okay, that's not shocking to me, but that well, is some, some, yeah. that's an interesting tidbit. But it's just interesting when you think about the way that politicians are scrutinized, and often a lot of them do you have law degrees? Yes. It, because it, when you think about the way that 
politicians work and, and, and like policies and the way that things are passed. You know, right. having more well, knowledge that's of why, that that's stuff. That's why Trump is a an incredibly oh, like God. interesting uh he went to Wharton. He, he's Yeah, but he's not I'm he's just saying outside. But Penn is an Ivy League school as well. That's true. That's true. So there's something to be said about that. But I also think there's something to be said about... But didn't he come for money to begin with? He did. But I think there's something to be said about being brilliant in one area. Right. Such as business, although he has had a lot of lawsuits come out in the last few months. Yeah, I think that that can speak for itself. I mean, that's... I'm not going to touch that. But yeah. being brilliant in one area and pursuing a life in politics is something totally different when you're thinking about... The Kennedys, which is a family that comes from a history of politicians from, like, the 60s on, or or even the Bushes. Right. You know, like, well, President Bush is another thing I'm not going to touch. But when you come from a, a history of people that are congressmen or mayors or people that are active in local politics, and that's what you're bred for from a young age. Right. Versus being a millionaire businessman and running for, that's a whole, I can't even go there. Yeah. Like, but that, like I, I, and I'm not a Trump supporter. But Going back to the Kennedys, though, uh, were, I mean, back in the day, they—I mean, they were—they were kind of the outsiders, though, right? Because they were—they were Catholic. Yeah, Irish Catholic. I mean, he was the first Catholic president. Yeah, but he was kind of the underdog, right? Or am I wrong on that? Yeah, ish. Ish. I, I don't want to speak to that because you know that's not my area of expertise, but. It was sort of a big deal when he did become president, but he was sort of, he was tapping into something. Yeah. Like similar to Obama, you know, going into the Vietnam War and, and civil rights era and people sort of banning around a particular ideology and being really upset about the way that the direction of the country was going. And I think a lot of people in the media have drawn parallels to that, which is very similar to now. Um, a lot of the recent shootings in... Orlando and Baltimore and St. Louis, like everywhere. Like there's just so much shit that's gone down the last five years, even more. So I think that people are just tapping into a very particular vein. Some people are really pissed off and don't want to be spoken to a certain way. And other people don't want to ban around the sort of fucked up homophobic, xenophobic shit that Trump has to offer people. And then, Hillary Clinton becomes a sort of lightning rod for a lot of other people. Right. The Democratic Party and Bernie supporters thinking that it's more liberal than, than it is, and sort of Hillary Clinton is still sort of left of center, but able to hopefully un, uh, uni, uni, unite. unite the party tonight, which I think she speaks at 10 or 11. I'm not sure, but I went off on a tangent, and I'm still trying to bring it back. So, But it's all interconnected. All interconnected. Lots of law degrees and, and people paying attention to policy. and Yeah, and it's actually something that I've considered. Uh, it was when um, the Democrats actually were, uh, they were doing the, the uh, no bill, no break after like all the, the gun violence. I think it was like directly like after ago, Orlando. Yeah. Um, I was, it was funny because I was watching that on C-SPAN. And, but, so this is what's really cool about technology. Elizabeth Warren, we love you. Oh, Elizabeth Warren, if you're listening to this, I hope you're a cunt talker. We can but... tweet. We can tweet at her. <laughs> She's not, but I hope that she is. I'm. I'm still hoping for a well, my a Michelle Obama Elizabeth Warren ticket in 2024. Oh my god! Cheers to that. Cheers to that. 
Oh my god, no, but Elizabeth Warren is... She's sort of a celebrity in my mind. Yeah, I want a Elizabeth Warren t-shirt and maybe underwear, but... (laughs) You would, though. They probably have that on Etsy. She is a former Harvard Law professor. Oh, really? Yes. I don't know if she was law or policy or politics, but former Harvard faculty. And I used to live in Boston, so represent. I never went to Harvard, but I went to Tufts. So, that's something. Close by. Stanford, Cambridge. (laughs) It's practically a sister school. It's a stretch. I did not go to the Ivies, but... Whatever. Same town-ish. Tufts, NYU, NYU. So, anyways. Something. Yeah. Hey, NYU's a really good school. So is Tufts. Yeah. It's not Harvard. I do have a friend that currently attends Harvard, and, and, yeah. Okay, well, I went to University of Idaho, which is not to say that it's not a good school, but most people don't even know where Idaho is, so... Do you want to place it for people? Yeah, so Idaho, a lot of people think that it's, like, in the Midwest by Ohio, Iowa. Um, I'm bad with geography sometimes. Yeah, no, trust me, it, it, it is... It's shocking when I find someone that actually knows where it is. I mean, it's a... It's, 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 it's a, I mean, it's not... It borders Utah, it borders Oregon, and it borders Washington. And Montana, yeah. Montana. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to go to Montana. Have you been to Montana? I have. I've driven through pretty much almost all of the north of Is the country. It seems like it would be. Parts of it are the western parts of Montana. I mean, there's just, like, a lot of mountains and trees and... Yeah, but the eastern part is very flat, and there's, like, a lot of prairie, and there's not a lot to do. Is it that there? I don't even know what Montana produces. Is Montana corn? That's more Iowa. I mean, um, that's agriculture? A good, that's a good question. There is some agriculture in... I feel like I think of Montana, I think of Buffalo and national parks. I don't know if there's another. Yeah, there's, okay, there's so a there lot is. of national parks. Oh, yeah, I think, I think Yellowstone reaches, maybe, it reaches up to Montana. Do a lot of fact checking for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little. I'm We're a just little, kind of throwing things out I'm there. I'm a little guys. rusty, guys. It's been a second, <laughs> so I'm just going with it. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, and, and Idaho is kind of the same. Um, so, the part of Idaho that I'm from, it's uh, from the northern Panhandle. Um, I think of Florida when people say that. The Panhandle. Yeah. Well, Texas has a Panhandle. Oh, Oklahoma. I don't know. That's is, what is I think. It Bible thumping? Um, oh, so I don't the interesting. Think it's not Southern, though. No, no, but there are a lot At of Mormons because it's so close to Utah. There's a yeah. lot of Mormons, which okay. has been weird. Like, so I had not met one Jewish person until I moved to New York. Like, I, I'm sure there's like a Jewish person well, somewhere that seems in Idaho. Racist, maybe. Really? No, I don't know. Maybe. We love the Jews. Yeah. No, I have no problem All with that. The but they're just. I mean, I just knew more Mormons. From your experience, you weren't exposed to a lot of, a large Jewish population in Idaho. Right. I don't, I don't mean to be, like, I'm not trying to, like, You don't sound anti-Semitic. I was just clarifying. Right. There seems to be a, maybe there is a thriving Jewish community in Idaho that we don't know about. Please reach out if there is. Yes. Um, were you close to Brigham Young University? (laughs) Which is very, very Mormon. Uh, well, I... I think uh, certain pockets of Utah are very Mormon. Are, are you are you far from Brigham Young? Uh, I think uh, BYU is in Salt Lake, right? I think so. 
um, far from you? Well, yeah, so it was closer to the Canadian border. So oh, wow. Utah is like down at the very right. like at the very bottom of the state. Geography. Yeah, it's pretty far. So uh, I will post a map with this episode. I think if I can on SoundCloud, I'll try with the links on somewhere. So, for instance, um, and we love our Jewish brothers and sisters and the Mormons, <laughs> but not not the Warren Jeffs Mormons. Like, don't do that. I don't know. That that's a whole other thing. I did love that show, Big Love, though. Did you ever watch that? No, I don't know. I I just I no, I couldn't. I couldn't not, but I wouldn't have HBO for the longest time. Oh. I don't have cable. I, I got new internet maybe three months ago, and I got HBO Go, and I forgot about it. And then I, I didn't want to pay for it once they start, started charging me. Oh, so yeah. I, I'm really bad with HBO stuff. Like, I love it in theory. This is, wow, very conversational. Um, yeah, I never saw the show. It's probably on Netflix now. Everything's maybe eventually. It might be. Yeah. I mean, I, I know the basic premise. Yeah. And not everyone that is a Mormon's polygamist. I understand that, but... Right. Remember Julie from Real World New Orleans? I don't she, know. Okay, so she famously was the first Mormon on reality really? television show. If memory serves me correct. She was, and she was still in school at Brigham Young. And Wait, was that New Orleans or Hawaii? New Orleans. Oh, I remember that for a fact. But, yeah, she, yeah. That is, like, bringing back some memories, though. Like, real world and, like, I don't know. Does, like, is that, does anyone know? Is that show still on? Does anyone know? It would just be the two of us. (laughs) But as far as I know, it is. I haven't checked with MTV.com recently. But, yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, I think that we've outgrown that channel. I mean, it's still relevant in some ways if you want to tap into youth culture and sort of see what's going on. Super yeah. Sweet 16 took over and had a moment. It's still probably having a moment. 16 and Pregnant. The, the like, cultural milestones, like, in the late to early 2000s. Yeah. And Real World was first, one of the first real shows to sort of be a reality television show to sort of tap. Real World San Francisco right. was the first one. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought, no, I thought New York was first. I thought it was San Francisco. I'll, I will Google this right now, cunt talkers. Yeah, this is interesting. I, well, I remember I was in fourth grade, and Pedro... Was yes, oh, that was New York. No, that was definitely New York. No, it was. It yes. was. I'm almost positive it was. Hold on, give me a second. And he, I think he passed away. He did die during the storyline. It was a big deal. I don't even know what to I Google. I'm pretty sure that was. I'm New actively York. googling on my podcast. This is awful. First, real. You've done this on other episodes. Yeah, but it's I have. Totally okay. I haven't told people. That you I have great people. listeners. So I, I, I actually did get. You're right. It's real world New York, but he was San Francisco. I remember Trishel. Okay. This is too funny. No, but he was on San Francisco. Yeah, it's starring Norman, Julie, Becky, Kevin, Andrew, Heather, Eric. And oh, okay. So he just wasn't on the first one is what you're saying. He was, I think it was in the first year of it, but Real World San Francisco, I think, was the next one. That was what Puck was like. A very oh, pivotal character. Yes, I remember him. Yeah, so it was Pedro, David, Puck, Rachel, Corey, Pam, Mohammed, Judd, and Joe. And there were twenty episodes. I and it was would it ran love from it if there June, were any Kuntalk listeners. That it were ran on from Real World. They won't. Well, I doubt they're listening. But I ran from June thirtieth through November tenth of nineteen ninety four. Yeah. 
Yeah, last time. I remember watching that. I probably shouldn't have been. but <laughs> In fourth grade? Yeah. Well, I had older <laughs> sisters, and the first one ran from May 21st through August 13th of 1992. According to Wikipedia, I know any better sources than that, but I was in a pinch. So, yeah, no, pa- Pedro's storyline was really important and profound at the time. I remember right. when he died, it was a big deal. Right, yeah. And I was, like, in fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. And my, so I have an older sister that was in high school at the time, and we are six years apart, and then I have another older sister who's 13 years older than me. So, one was in high school, one was in college. Mm-hmm. So, this is, like, God, I'm dating myself. This is, like, part of my childhood is wrapped up in this. Like, I sort of learned about sex and, like, other things through MTV. You know, like, watching music videos. Wow, I did not think this... Oh, no, I, to- I totally did. I, like, I... That's totally where so I... TRL, Total Request Live with Carson Daly. He now has his own show again, I think, on Primetime. But, yeah, back in the day. Yeah, isn't he, like, a talk show host or something? Or is that... He's a talk show host. That's what he's made his career on. And he was briefly engaged to Jennifer Love Hewitt. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Wait, he lost, like, a ton of weight since TRL, right? I don't think he was ever fat. Well, he was never fat, but, like... He, he's now... He, the last that I... don't I, know. I think the last time I saw him, he was, like, shockingly skinny. I... Okay. I don't remember, but I now know that he, he does have a kid, and he's very, oh. he's very Christian, Catholic, I think. Whatever. He's very religious. Whatever. Something. And... There's a, there's a K, and he's still on primetime, not not MTV. So, wow. Yeah. Bring me back, bring me back to the days. Who, who would have thought this is where we would have ended up on this episode? I don't know. It started so serious. And we and never, then... you never know where you're gonna end up. Like, yeah, you never know where you're gonna go. So, any any tips you want to give people that are considering law school? I mean, aside from... To bring it back to the original topic. Yeah. Aside from what I said earlier, just about, like, if you're considering law school and you haven't paralegaled or you haven't, like, taken time off from undergrad... Oh, uh, sorry. Keep going. um, Then do that. Yeah. Like, you should paralegal and at least try it out. Or, like, intern or something like that. I also wanted to ask you about the gender breakdown of the firm you worked at. Yes. Um, so the interesting thing about that is, uh, so I've, since I've been in New York, I've worked at two law firms. One is a, a very big international law firm, very well known. Feel free to name them. We can shout out when we get text and tweet. Um, I mean, I would just prefer not to name oh, them, okay. but it's, I mean, it's a, it's a very big, it's a big law firm. I'll just say that. Uh, and then the second one is a, it was a very, it's a much smaller law firm. It was, I think, I, I don't know, 50 attorneys as opposed to, um, 2,000 attorneys worldwide. So it's just like, it's a big difference. I bet they watch the real world. Just saying. Wait, where's this coming from? I don't know, you're just talking about, I'm trying to bridge the gap. Between, between the size of the law firms I'm working at and, and real world? I'm sure they watched. <laughs> so we tweeted. Who is they? The, the law, the lawyers at the law firm. Oh. So if we tweeted at okay, them, it, okay. it would be okay. Okay, I'm picking up the It would be okay. Because I'm sure they watched it, too. Because everyone's had that experience. But you would say it's mostly I'm male or no, female. So, okay, so here's the thing is that I think especially... Uh, and the para- break, break down the paralegal gender binary. Okay, so I'll start, I'll start with attorneys and I'll move on to paralegals. So... Uh, 
Hold, hold on, hold on a second. So, I'm very excited right now. Okay, so with with attorneys, it's interesting because the I would say the first through third year classes, it's 50-50 men and female, or uh, male and female. Um, but the there becomes a, a, a large gender gap uh, around the, the fourth, fifth year um, at the firm where there are much more men than there are women. And a lot of it is is that women can't, I mean, the, the, the legal field was built, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't built for like a family lifestyle. Like at a, at a law firm, you have to work a lot of hours. Like, you know, there were times when I would be working overnight, I'd be working like 80 hour weeks and stuff like that. If you want like a family, um, it's much harder, especially if a woman is expected to take care of children and stuff. But may I interject? Yes. But wouldn't you say that there are married associates and, and partners? Yeah. So the hours may not suit a family lifestyle, but there are people there that have families. Right. But for various reasons, it doesn't, I don't know. It's just, it's a strange dynamic and I'm not saying that any of this is right. But why, but this is the bigger question. Like, why should it matter if I have a vagina and you have a penis? And because I can have babies and choose not to, that I can't work. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. I completely. I, I, that's all I'm saying. That's no, no, a, no. That's no. A bullshit. I, like, like I, the culture of the law firm. That's fucking bullshit. No, like, and I think so too. And they've used they use the the law firm um, experience in the in the uh, female uh, or in the in the gender in the in the gender gap with the with like salary and so in the salary gender gap, um, a lot from is a prime example of the reason why women are paid less. Can I still ask? Well, they can't legally ask you if you're planning on having kids. They cannot ask that. No. no. But can they hint at it? So a lot of times, what happens is just women will leave the firm. They'll go like they'll leave and go to like a bank or they'll go somewhere where. Um, what's, and what's the pay grade difference? Do you know? Uh, I don't, but what I can say is that as far as partners, I would say there's probably, I don't know, 80% of partners are male. And it's levels of partners, right? Junior, senior, whatever? No. So at least at this particular big law firm I worked at, uh, you can either be an equity partner or you could be a non-equity partner. Um, What does that mean? So an equity partner means that you have like, you have like a, you have a book of clients that like bring in money. So you have, I don't know, uh, you know, a million dollar book or whatever. But if, and if you, if you don't have, if you don't have, because of that, you own, you basically own like shares in the firm. If you don't have that and you don't have that book, you're not equity partner. Okay. Right. You need like some cash. Well, so what happens is a lot of times is when they elevate you to partner, you'll be a non equity partner. And, um, so if shit hits the fan, you have to give them money. No, you don't give them money. You just have X amount of time to become an equity partner and build, like, your books up. Well, what if she hits the fan and you can't? Then what happens? You get fired. Oh. So it's not, like, on Mad Men, which is admin, not the same thing. But, like, when everyone has to put money into a partner, not the same thing. I don't know what it's... And I'm just, I'm just speaking from my experience at one law firm. I think it's different at other law firms. I think that they're structured differently from firm to firm. Um, so I can't, oh my God. Oh, the bunny just made an appearance. <laughs> she's, she's so I can't, I can't speak for all law firms. I'm just speaking from my experience at one firm. Yeah, so. I, I have no, I have nothing to add because I don't, I don't know anything about that. 
But as far I know as a little bit, I'm not I'm not an idiot. As far as paralegals though, uh, there are I would say 75% female, 25% male. Like you don't see a lot of male what paralegals. Are the two firms that you've worked at, or the specific one. Uh, no, at both. At both, okay. they were still way more female paralegals. Do you at think both. there's like a history, or not a history, like a culture of? I don't want to say harassing in the workplace, but like, like the way that female paralegals and female associates are treated as opposed to male, like based, yes. based on your experience. Yes, absolutely. And this is not scientific, obviously, but yeah, um, absolutely. Um, like, I, mis- like, would you say it's inherently misogynistic and sexist? I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely like when when a woman is trying to, and I've, I've experienced this myself when I've tried to speak up in like a meeting or something like that. And you have to understand that there's also like a um, a different dynamic for me being a paralegal working with like partners and stuff like that. You know, I am more, I'm less inclined to not speak up, but I'm less inclined to like um, if a partner interrupts me, I'm less inclined to you know, say something about it and, you know, call them on it just because there's that, you know, that. Would you say it's because there's a pecking order? Yeah, but I do have to say, though, that if there were, um, and I've experienced this as well, if there is a female partner and a male partner, the male partner usually dominates the negotiations or the conversation or will interrupt the female. And there's a lot of apologizing on the female's part. But that's that's just socially yeah, but I think women. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. And I try not, unless I'm, like, really in the wrong, I'm not going to just apologize for things. Do you think part of the job of a paralegal is to, like, really fact check and know the case in and out? So when there's, like, negotiations going on or pre-negotiations, like, to sort of interject? No, 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 no. That is definitely, um, well, first of all, that's not the kind of law that I do uh and, like, and like I, just, I said I don't I don't do the negotiations oh either. yeah but I just mean like statistically like knowing the the client inside and out and like no that would definitely be like the partner. it would be like the associate's job to know the nitty-gritty the partner would take credit for all of that but it'd be the associate's job to do the research do the due diligence um and get get everything they needed have you seen the show Suits I have not. Oh my God, no. I need to watch it. I know. It's I need to. About, it's like a renegade lawyer. He's whatever. Watch it. Watch it. You should watch it. My actually, it's funny. My my boyfriend. He actually he lives in Brazil. He if, so he's watching this in Portuguese in Brazil. He's like watching suits. I have he's not even. Time. He's not even in the legal field, and he's <laughs> he's watching this, and I am not. So I'm not sure if they're still currently producing the show, but it hasn't. I, I watched. Right, but I mean, I should be watching it just because, I, I don't know, it pertains to... You can to, watch it through my Amazon Prime account. I think it's... Isn't it on Netflix? I don't think so. Because oh. typically there's, like, contract stuff about that. Oh, okay. I, I have, have Prime. Copyright. I have Prime. Okay. Oh, yeah, so I right. could totally do it. Yeah. No, I, I just... Fun fact, I just got Prime, like... 20 days ago or something like that so oh, I, I haven't it. I haven't experienced this but if you're world. a student there is a they can get a student discount on Amazon what? Prime yeah that's a thing so look into that I will um is there anything you want to add I don't think so this has been a very tangential episode of Come Talk I'm sorry we've had some 
normally I go into an episode starting to drink, but this episode is like, I pizza Friday is a thing that I do in my apartment, but it's pizza Thursday because it's a send-off today, so it's just sort of like a celebratory kind of talk episode that I've been meaning to do for months, so... No, I, I think, unless you have anything to add, I think I that's think it. So. I think we covered a wide range of topics today. I hope people angry tweet at me to fact check. <laughs> but at least you'll know who your followers are. I at, hope people you know? listen, and thanks for listening as always. I have to send a special shout out to a listener in Thailand that's been wanting me to cover body positivity. I'm still actively looking for a guest to cover that that's appropriate for that topic. So don't think I haven't forgotten you. It's just at this point because it's sort of the little podcast that could. I'm interviewing – it is. I'm interviewing people as they're availing themselves to me and what I have access to. So it's a topic I definitely want to cover, but I want to have the right guest for it. So thank you for listening as always. Thank you, Con Talkers. Thanks, and have a good evening, and be safe.